0: welcome to we are db i am brenton joined as always by the lovely danielle
1: hello everybody
0: thanks again for joining us this week as we count up the imdb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen this week rated as number 24 on the internet movie database by millions of film lovers from around the world is it's a wonderful life Released in 1946, starring James Stewart as the lead, It's a Wonderful Life is a fictional biographical drama set in the fictional town of Bedford Falls, New York. Based on the short story by Philip Van Dorenstern, titled The Greatest Gift, from 1943, It's a Wonderful Life is written for the screen, produced and directed by Frank Capra. I think this movie was nominated for six or seven Oscars, but I don't think it won any. Interesting. Interesting. It barely made any money, like it barely broke even in the box office in the time, but has become a cult classic since.
1: When was it released?
0: In 46.
1: Okay, that's what I thought.
0: About two weeks ago, it was announced that Paul McCartney is writing a musical stage version of It's a Line for Life.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Which, I read that about two weeks ago, before watching the movie, This is the first time you and I have seen it, and I thought oh, that means that this movie must be a musical, and it's not, and not at all. Um, So I don't know how he's going to be able to do that, but if anyone can do it, I'm sure Paul McCartney can.
1: I was going to say, he's a guy. Um, Interesting.
0: So this movie is rated at number 24 on the list, even though last week it was also number 24, and that's because Avengers Endgame has fallen a few more spots, like overnight. So essentially, the numbers on the list uh more of a guide as to where it is on the IMDB rather than an exact because Avengers Endgame keeps flip-flopping around. We keep chasing Endgame down the list, so it keeps messing We're with our numbers. We'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. Um so the numbers don't no one really cares about the numbers, but yeah. It's more of a, a rough idea as to where this falls on the best list as rated by IMDB users.
1: Mm. I think it's worth mentioning cuz you haven't so far. This movie it starts out in the 20s and spans to about the time that it was released. Like I'd say it's meant to end in like 1946. You know what I mean? Because they go through Yeah. The war yeah, and I all think that, the end of this so.
0: is the end of the war, so. Yeah. Um yeah, so it spans over this guy's life pretty much from when 1919, I think is when it cuts back to and comes back up to the present.
1: And I remember thinking this has got to be one of the oldest movies I've ever seen because the opening credits were actually filmed pieces of paper being moved yeah. away. You know what I mean? Like I just I remember thinking I've never seen that before.
0: I think a lot of those old Disney animated movies, like uh, Snow White and Seven Dwarfs or Pinocchio, I think they had similar title cards
1: where they were. They all, were like, similar, or I think I think one of them. Um, I'm remembering something Disney. Maybe it was uh, Sleeping Beauty had an actual storybook that they were leafing through. That makes sense, yeah. And that was from the
0: mid-50s, I think that one was from? Yep. I actually really quite liked this film. Like, I was surprised that I liked it so much. It's probably the oldest film to actually, like, move me. It had dramatic weight to it. And for these older movies from the 40s or older, it's kind of hard to do that. It really is difficult because the art form was just coming about, and... The performances kind of seemed goofier back then, but this one, I don't know, it's just the way that it's filmed and the story content, its it was a good drama movie, surprisingly, actually, because it's got some good yeah. co- comedy and elements in it.
1: I mean, it is dated a bit in in the way people acted, as you were saying, just because... Back then, people really enunciated and they spoke with a harsh tone. Like, a lot of male actors kind of Sometimes,
0: yeah, but there was some goofy scenes in this, though, that where they weren't doing that. Yep. And I kind of like them because it makes it seem more recent, I guess.
1: I also liked the way it opened in that I'm assuming it was God speaking with...
0: Yeah, this isn't spoilers. This is like the opening thing.
1: <laughs> ...with Joseph and the angel second class Clarence. And so you see it and, I mean, it's just a still frame of, like, these lights in a galaxy and it's just like, where is this going? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? it was
0: like... Because they were t- just having a conversation with each other and th- yeah. a moon flashes in front of the, s- the screen so you know that it's meant to be space. Yeah. It was just a very interesting opening scene.
1: It was, and it wasn't, like... It was done in a way where I wasn't like, what the fuck is this?
0: I just thought this is strange. <laughs> All right.
1: Yeah, I'm like, this. I, I want to see where this goes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was a very good introduction because they were able to show retrospectively the main character's life in a way that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I thought that was quite clever.
1: Yeah, so it's like, well, you're going to need this information, so we'll show it to you now. And then the, yeah. they show it. It's expositional. Um.
0: So basically their conversation covers the fact that this guy, George Bailey, is about to kill himself, and let's go back and see what led up to this moment. So they go back 30 years or so just to see where it comes up to this, and that all happens in the first few minutes, they explain that. And it's a good way to set up a biographical drama.
1: Yeah. And so the movie is them going through all of the pivotal events in his life, And going through pretty much the entirety of his life from when he was a young kid to when, you know, he was a teenager and what events affected his life and why it turned out the way it did. And it's interesting because the whole point is to show all of the things he's done in his life that have touched and affected other people because later on in life, those are displayed to him because he doesn't realize how important he's been in other people's lives but i like the way that it was done in such a way that it just looks like life but then yes you know you go back and you see oh that was actually really important you yeah. know like everything that's happened was actually really important
0: i just wanted to say real quick doing this podcast and going back and watching these classic movies that i've never seen before There's so many of these moments where it's like, oh, that's what that's from. That's what that reference is for pop culture since then. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. There's so many things that make reference to these old movies. And you see that quite a lot when we go back like this. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking there's an episode of Futurama where Bender, the robot, is flying through space and -hmm. he basically talks to God. And God is a bunch of constellations that flash when he talks. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what... God is depicted as here. It's just like a constellation that sort of flashes, and I'm guessing that that's what that's a reference to.
1: Yeah. Well, and same for me. My family's nuts about National Lampoons. We watch Christmas Vacation every Christmas, and there's a line in there. It's the very last line in this movie, and it's George's little daughter saying, Teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. And I've heard that 100 times, and I didn't know where it was from. It was from this yeah. movie right? So it's like, it's, it's interesting.
0: I think that's actually interesting because Frank Capra, the director and producer of this, his grandson, Frank Capra, Mm the third, was actually an assistant director on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation.
1: Huh. Huh.
0: They're all three of them. There's like a whole family of the Capra film family, basically.
1: That's funny. That's interesting. Um, and there's also
0: the scene that I remember from Bruce Almighty where he says, you want, you want the moon? I'll lasso the moon and pull it down to you. Yeah,
1: I was thinking of that one too.
0: Yeah, and the joke in, in Bruce Almighty is that he actually does pull down the moon and it fucks up the tides on the other side of the world and people are, like, flooded out and stuff. Um, yeah. It's just kind of just playing on that joke. But there's a few things in this. Or even The Simpsons makes reference a couple of times. Um, yeah, so I quite liked it. I'm glad that there was like a few things in there. Where I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. I like these moments where I understand pop culture now.
1: Yeah, well, like how cultured. interesting because it's like you know it comes from somewhere, but where in the hell does it come from? This is where it comes from. Yeah. Who to thunk it? Not me. I enjoy them for that reason too, and I enjoy them because the these movies are done in a different way to films now. Um, they're a lot more expositional, so they're they're a lot more you know, kind of handing it to you on a mm. silver platter, which I don't mind because it I was don't the style. not think it's that bad in this one. No, it was the style back then, so it was done differently. If you did it now, I don't think people would appreciate it this as much, and I don't think it would be done as well. And it just yeah, it makes it a little bit more relaxing to watch because you're not worried that you're going to miss anything. You know what I mean? You can sit back... Even though this is a drama, this isn't a drama where you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. You know what I mean?
0: I think there's maybe two or three scenes where you really get involved like that, and the rest of it's pretty lighthearted.
1: I was going to say, but even in those scenes, you're not terrified or sweating or so Mm. emotionally aroused. It's just, it's comfortable to watch.
0: I think the subject matter is the biggest pull of this movie more than yes. anything more than the shots or, the, or anything like that or the, really the acting the acting is fine it's pretty good but yeah. it's definitely the subject matter and in this interesting concept i love high concept movies
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i'd say it's this actually... one's
1: medium concept <laughs> i wouldn't say this one's well high concept.
0: i think it is but you only see the high concept come into effect an hour and 40 minutes into the film yeah. Because I had read about this movie and I had heard about the concept, and I'm like, okay, so that's what I was expecting going into the movie. And I'm like, this isn't. Is this. Did I get it confused with like Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol or something? Well, I'm confused as to, mm. oh, there it is, finally. So th- I think it is high concept, but it takes forever to get there, which we'll get to in spoilers.
1: However, even in getting there, it's still very compelling. Yes. It wasn't boring. You know yes, what I it's mean? It's good sounding. Like, yeah, and you're just, like, you're you are genuinely interested in the plot and what's happening right up until it gets to that point. And then you're like, oh, jeez, well, I sound, <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick. Um, you're just like, oh, man, like, what what's going to happen here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: What would you say is the oldest movie you've ever seen?
1: I have no idea. Probably one of those Disney movies. Or maybe...
0: You've seen Gone uh, with the Wind, haven't you? Yes. That was from Fuck, 39. that's
1: a long movie. That is a yeah, long-ass like movie. And you don't even really need the second half. That's my opinion. <laughs> it's a four-hour-long movie, Nate.
0: We're going to be getting into some really old early 30s silent films in the next couple of months.
1: We'll see how I fare.
0: <laughs> I'm warning you now, just in case. It's a few Charlie Chapman ones in a row. Mm. We were talking about how the first half is actually quite compelling and I think it's a good setup because I think it does a great job at painting a picture as to who this guy is and what his life is like and what kind of struggles he's been through, I guess.
1: You see all of his motivations.
0: Yeah, he's kind of a likable character in that because he's down to earth.
1: And you really understand him as a, a character. Like they've done a very good job in, you know, how does he feel? What does he want out of life? how come he hasn't got there and everything like that. It's impressive how well they've displayed that, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely the first hour or so. It's fun, it's easy to follow, it's harmless, it's a nice story, and then towards the end it packs a punch, I think. Um, And I quite quite like that. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that George Bailey in this movie is the exact same age as my great-grandmother, who I knew quite well when I was a kid. And it's just mm-hmm. interesting to me, on a personal note, thinking about my family during this time. Yeah. Um, so Zuzu, his daughter, would have been my grandmother. Um,
1: That's interesting.
0: I don't know, Just it, it makes the movie seem a lot older than what it is, because this feels like an old movie, but it doesn't feel like a really old, sluggish, hard-to-watch movie.
1: I feel that way with my nana a lot, actually, because she was born in 1950. So she was growing up in a teenager through the 60s when a lot of, like, really important historical shit went down, you know? Yeah,
0: so if you watch movies that are based in the 60s and 70s, you have to think in your eyes of your teenage Nana, basically.
1: Yeah, it's just weird to me because I'm like, holy crap, like, you'd remember that. You'd remember that really, really well, you know what I mean? So I can go talk to her. Like, I often ask her about, like, the Beatles and stuff because she loved the Beatles, hey? Mm. Um... She talks about, you know, she remembers when JFK died and how sad she was and just all sorts of s- stuff like that.
0: It puts it in more of a personal perspective, yeah. Yeah.
1: It brings it closer to home for me to think, yeah. like... To me, it seems so far removed, but to her, it was like, yeah, I was a teenager. Yeah. That's weird. I think it,
0: like, visually puts memories into, like, perspective. Um, yes. Because my great-grandmother, who... She lived until she was 96. hmm So... Like, you could have a conversation with her, and she lived through both world wars. Yeah, that's That's bizarre to me. She was, like, working class in the Great Depression. Like, that's so weird that someone from the 30s who was old enough to be having kids in the 30s is, like, around talking in the 21st century. Yeah. Um, It just, it puts it in a more of a personal perspective, and I kind of... I kind of like it when I can relate to something like that. Like, I did the same thing with Rain Man, where I'm like, everyone's the same age as as someone I know, you know what I mean? So, I I get more of a perspective on these people's lives, more so than when I was a kid, and I'm like, I don't know what an age is. What is a year? Yeah. Um, So, we're going to go into spoilers now. And I think that's not a bad transition into some of the discussions on the Great Depression in this, because that's kind of a big drive for him getting down towards the end of this movie and feeling down on himself is because he's struggling so hard through the Depression. And I don't really know that much about the Depression, and you were trying to explain some things. I still don't understand uh, some of the, the things around that, which in 1946, you didn't have to explain that in a film because all those people would have been alive during the Depression and they knew what happened.
1: That's just it. It's like giving reference to nine eleven to somebody who doesn't know what it is. You know well, what I mean?
0: Well, yeah, I suppose, like, but that's pretty. F- that's that's like eighteen years ago. I'm thinking about the global financial crisis that was like ten years ago to us.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying like on this scale, it's like let's say we're fifty years in the future, and you just give nonchalant reference to nine eleven, people might. I mean, now it might be different. Yeah,
0: that's a good point.
1: Like, people might not understand what exactly happened, but it was like, it's a for a generation, everybody knows what it was.
0: You mm-hmm. know what
1: I mean? Um,
0: so can you explain to me, I still don't understand, the bank runs out of money in this.
1: Yeah, so what happened, and I, I still don't quite remember why the market crashed in the first place, but there was a huge stock market crash. So mm. everything went down to... A lot less than it was worth. And so the banks lost a lot of money because the way banks work, right, is you put your money in the bank, the bank takes your money, invests it, makes more money, and then because you allowed them to borrow your money, that's how you get interest, right? Yes. So at any given time, really, a bank actually doesn't have all of the cash money to cover the amounts that are in its accounts.
0: Yeah, especially not these days everything's digital. Yeah.
1: So, what happened was there's was the stock market crash. All of the money that the bank invested in stocks was lost because the values went way down and because they didn't have the money to pay out their people, the banks literally ran out of money. And there's a scene in this movie where it says that has all the hallmarks of a run. What a run on a bank is, is when everybody who holds an account in that bank goes to the bank and wants to get their money out at the same time. On a given day, when there's not a stock market crash, that wouldn't be a good thing. Mm. So you can imagine how it would have gone. And the reason people were so panicked is because they knew that the banks were running out of money. So that's kind of, that was the start of the depression.
0: Yeah, but if you, if you say that you have money in the bank, yep. and you have a statement saying this is how much money theoretically is in the bank because it's not physically there, yep. whether or not the bank has it or not, do you not still have that statement saying you the bank owe me money?
1: Maybe it was an issue of it being the 30s. They okay. didn't...
0: Does that make sense though?
1: Yeah, well, and the thing with the Depression, too, is that the value of that money went down. Like, you talk about... Right, yeah. Um, what caused... Essentially, a contributing factor to the Second World War was also the Great Depression, because it affected worldwide. In Germany, people could have hundreds of Deutschmarks, and they were worth more as kindling for their stoves than they were as money. During the war? Before the war. Oh, okay. Before the... Second World War. It took a wheelbarrow full of Deutschmarks to buy a loaf of bread because a mark became so worthless Mm. because of the market value. So money is a weird, weird thing. It's hard to understand. But essentially, why this was an important event in this movie was because you see George continually not being able to do the things he wants to do. So it starts out with, you know... He can't go away to college. So he's stayed home and he's worked because his family is poorer. Um, his dad runs basically a credit union. It's like a bank and it's a building and loan agency where people, they can keep their money and the money goes towards helping people build houses at a lower interest rate so they can own their homes faster.
0: I'm just trying to think about that conversation about the college because yeah, that was when the maid was walking around and he's sitting at the table. Yeah, I don't remember what the conversation was about.
1: Something happened. Oh, that's what it was. He was going to go off to college, but his dad had a stroke, so he couldn't go off to college and get out of Bedford Falls. That's
0: right, yeah. Right?
1: And then his dad died, and the board of directors of that company, the building and loan, appointed him as head director or whatever, so he couldn't leave. So then later well, on...
0: Were they not going to a- appoint Mr. Potter... And then George said, not unless I'm here.
1: I was going to say, like hell, because this old bastard was the richest, meanest man in town. Think of Scrooge McDuck. You know what I mean? (laughs) Scrooge
0: McDuck. You Um, know Scrooge McDuck is actually based on a character, Scrooge.
1: Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. (laughs) You
0: say that like that's the reference.
1: Um... So there's a lot of factors that play into why George can't go off. He wanted to go see the world and become educated. And I think he wanted to be either an architect or an engineer. He talks about building mm, yeah. skyscrapers and bridges and things. Um, and again, then the depression happens and the business almost goes under. And the contributing factor that that really, really pushes him to want to jump off the bridge is that his uncle, who he works with, loses $8,000. And mm-hmm. how much was that worth at the time, Brenton? The equivalent of...
0: Oh, uh, it was about $144,000 US today.
1: Which is a lot of money. Yeah. And this is at a time, too, when people didn't have a lot of money, right?
0: Yeah. Can you imagine actually seeing one hundred and forty-four grand just in cash, just sitting there? No. Oh, I lost it. Where's it gone?
1: Yeah, exactly. So he was... You know, he's had all of these things in his life where he hasn't been able to do what he wants to do. Um... But he's worked through it, and now he's got, you know, a lot of little kids. And his business has always, like, it's never, never been stable.
0: Well, that business, I was going to ask. Yep. He was basically selling homes for the prices that it costs and not profit? Is that basically what he was doing?
1: Yeah, he was probably making enough just to... To live. To live and to pay his employees. The whole purpose that, like, that is dad who started it and that he was doing it for was so that people could
0: own their own houses
1: live yeah yeah
0: that that wasn't really a thing especially during the depression people yeah. didn't own their own houses
1: he was doing it for the philanthropy of it not for the business side of it mm. you know like he even says i'm not a businessman my dad wasn't a businessman we're not in it for the business you know what i mean
0: because there's a an employee of potter he comes up to him and he's like these houses are worth twice as much as what they're being sold for. Mm -hmm. And they're saying it in such a negative way, like, oh, what a missed opportunity kind of thing. But then these people wouldn't be able to own their houses.
1: Yeah. And so he's he's doing it so that the rich don't get richer, you know?
0: And I also looked up when Potter offers Bailey a job to try and Mm -hmm. buy him out, basically. Mm -hmm. And he says $20,000 a year which is more than what I make right now in Mm -hmm. modern times, Uh, for three years at least as a minimum contract. $20,000 in 1937 is $363,000 U.S.
1: $363,000. That is insane.
0: That's a lot of money. During the Depression when you've got four kids. No, he didn't have kids. That was just before he did the cut towards kids. Mm -hmm. But he's he's looking to have kids.
1: Because he's going to do that. And he's literally on his way to the train station to go on his honeymoon when the run on the bank happens and he can't leave. Yeah. So they, like, he's never even gets to travel. They were going to go around for months and months. And then the depression
0: happens. Which you could possibly do for $2,000. That's a lot of money.
1: Yeah. It's just... This is really interesting. And... I want to know your opinion and your perspective because you didn't know a lot of the historical stuff. So you actually had to stop and you're like, what's going on? And I had to About explain to you. About the depression, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, it's funny because I've never really been in that position before where you're like, well, I don't just, know what's going on.
0: It, it explains a lot to do with finances, which is the main cause of drive for depression, I would say. Is people not being able to do things with money or being able to feed themselves or looking after their you're family. You're saying
1: clinical psychological depression. Yes. Okay. We're also talking about financial depression. Um, So, sorry for being confused.
0: Would you agree with that? It's a big driver in personal mental health depression.
1: Finances, yes. Absolutely.
0: So, that's why there's such a big emphasis on that throughout the whole movie. It's a running theme, which is understandable, but I don't understand that much about finances. So, yeah, I can understand why I was a bit lost there. Yeah. I think this movie really kicks off or gets more interesting for me when he's on the bridge and he's about to kill himself he wants to jump off the bridge into icy waters and kill himself because he's just gone through a series of events where it's just like fuck and he then he gets kicked while he's down he crashes his car he gets punched in the face after losing this eight grand So I think it paints a picture of you can absolutely understand why this character is wanting to kill himself. Because he's also insured for 15 grand.
1: There's literally a line that says, I'm worth more dead than alive.
0: Yes. So you can absolutely see the character's motivations behind his actions, and that makes him feel more real. Otherwise, if it wasn't fleshed out like that, you would kind of think that that act was shallow or hollow or something, and you wouldn't feel for the character the way that you do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the the setup to that. Um, and then that point onwards, you've got Clarence. Is it Clarence? I was going to say, that's
1: when, that's when Clarence makes his first appearance, and we're like, okay, now we're getting back to what we were seeing in the beginning of the movie. This is yeah. when the story as it was introduced actually starts. It
0: takes quite a while. It feels like a long movie. It feels like a really long movie, but I think it's just like a two-hour movie.
1: Yeah, it is. I think we took a couple breaks.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah.
1: Um, but you're like, we've been sitting here for like four hours and this is like know, an hour right? and 50 minute movie. What the heck? Yeah.
0: So from that point forward, they're going through the town and seeing what the town and the people would be like if he had never been born. And I think yeah. that's where the high concept comes in. And I yes. I always find those scenes very interesting. It yes. reminded me a lot of Back to the Future 2. Have you seen that? Yes. Where he goes back in time to an alternate reality, 19- an alternate 1985, where Biff is rich.
1: What is the thing there? It's...
0: Well, they were in the year 2015, and then old Biff went back to 1955, gave himself the almanac so that he could make lots of money. Um, and then when, when Marty goes back to 1985, it's an alternate reality in which Biff is this big billionaire. Yeah. Which was actually modeled on Donald Trump, by the way, if you go back and watch that movie. Yeah. He's a villainous a billionaire. billionaire. Yeah.
1: He even looks like in him. In 85,
0: yeah. He's got the hairstyle yeah. as well. Um, yeah. But he, there's a scene of that where he's running through the town and being like, what is this? This isn't the town that I know. It's very similar to the scene in this. He even goes yes. back to his actual house, and it's someone else is living there. It's locked up. There's casinos everywhere. There's, there's these porno theaters. Um, he sees some people that he knew in his reality and they don't recognize him in the same way and it's a very similar scene i kind of yeah. really I'm, d- I'm drawn to those scenes even if they're not done well because i think it's just fascinating to see even the producers like take on these alternate realities and how people mm. really react um
1: well and for george it takes him so long to grasp the fact that this is real he's like yeah Come does, on, which is fair you enough. Know me. You know what I mean? And they're like, I don't know, you have never seen you before in my life. And it takes him until his wife doesn't know who he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And isn't it interesting too how this is the alternate reality simply where he had not been born and it's that's the affected only thing that's so different. much. Yeah. Right? So it's like his wife is really homely looking. Like she's a very stunning beautiful woman. And it's like why would she not embrace that if she hadn't met him? You know what I mean?
0: Mm, so that means that he had that effect on her, making her feel more beautiful and wanting to her to yeah. express herself that way more. Yeah, because yeah. she's definitely dressed more like an older woman, an older librarian type, you know?
1: And she's got, like the little, like, wire glasses and the little hat and not nice shoes and just looking shabby and frumpy and stuff. And it's like, she's very stunning in every other scene, so. And his mom doesn't know who he is and brother died because he saved him from drowning when he was, like, nine or something. So there's just, there's so many things that are different, but it's ultimately when his wife doesn't know who he is, when he's, like... Take me yeah, back. That's the like, turning point. I I wanna take me back. I'm I wanna live, you know.
0: And it makes him appreciate everything. Which is an yeah. interesting point because even because he lost the eight grand, they said you're going to jail. Yeah. And he's like, fantastic. As long as I'm alive, as long as I have my family, they're still alive. The town is is the way that I helped create it this way. Um yeah. as, I don't care if I go to jail, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's so much more appreciative.
1: Yeah, because he's got the feds, I think it's the equivalent of the IRS, the yeah. tax bureau, that's sitting there, and they're like, we've got a warrant for your arrest. He's like, that's amazing! You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, and I love scenes like that in silly movies, because I think even, there's another one that's like that, where, you know, they gave each other sideways looks, because it's like, is this guy nuts? Like, yeah. why? why would you be so excited to be going in...
0: I like how they they tied in these realities because he thinks that he's still in the alternate reality and then he goes back to the bridge to find the angel again and then all of a sudden the police officer comes to find him and he recognises him. Yeah, so it it seamlessly went back to this reality that he knows as if it was all a dream, was all in his head and that's how Clarence the angel was able to mess with him. Like, how... Mm. At what point did it stop becoming real? Was it all real? Or was it all in his head? Was it a vision? Yeah. Like it all had the same outcome. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a clever way to splice it back into that reality.
1: I also liked the nice touch of Clarence periodically looking up at the sky and having conversations with people we couldn't un- we couldn't hear. Yeah. You know, like what was that one? He's like, I didn't have anything to drink or something. You know what I mean? Like when they're at the bar.
0: Yeah, that was pretty um, funny. Yeah. I didn't mind Clarence. It was funny. It yeah. was just very nonchalant. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Little old man.
0: Why do you think that this movie is at number twenty-four on the list? Do you think it deserves it?
1: Yeah, because of all of those effects, like it, it kind of ticks all the boxes. You know, yeah. it's an easy watch, but it's high concept and it mixes humor with yeah, with a touching story. Um, and it was actually quite impressive. It would have had to have a bit of a higher budget to change sets the way that they did. Because you yeah, go yep. from a quite like small town vibe to a lot of like Vegas-style flashing lights, what it would hmm. have looked like at the time. And it's just like, you would have had to dress it up a lot. You know what I mean? Like That would have taken a fair bit of money. So I think to the Academy at the time, like they would have appreciated that.
0: Or even their house. Because you see the house in shambles and then you also see it when they've done it up and renovated it. Mm-hmm. So they would have had to bend two sets as well.
1: Yeah. So there's a fair bit of production value that went into yeah. this. Yeah. I think it's a combination of all those factors. The acting was quite good for the time.
0: I really like the interactions between George and his wife. I think that those are the best acting pieces.
1: Yeah. I like how you see their love story. You see it progress in like snapshots, but even yeah. in that, it's done really well.
0: Yeah, you know I surprisingly enjoyed it more than what I thought I would. Uh, I really quite liked it. Um, it's a good story because in the end in the end, he appreciates life, and I think that's the big message that people can take away from this is the little things in life could be helping other people or you it's just I think it's a it's a good story
1: mm. And it wasn't hard to follow. That's why I appreciated yeah. it. There's certain ones I like having a thinker, but this one was—it was a really good balance of a comfortable, easy watch and a good concept. Like it just—it hit those notes really well.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to ask—that wasn't there two police characters in this called Bert and Ernie?
1: No, one was the cab driver.
0: Oh, the cab driver. Okay. Yeah, I thought is that a coincidence with the Sesame Street characters? It has to be, right?
1: I was gonna say I, I picked up on it first, and I'm just like, ah, ha 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 <laughs> because
0: this is long before Sesame Street. Sesame Street, what started yeah. in the '60s?
1: It must just be a coincidence.
0: It must just be a coincidence because it, well, it's not like there were like big characters or memorable or anything. It was just a yeah. mention to Bert and Ernie, and I thought it was it was funny.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: I would really like to see what Paul is able to do with this. I don't really know what you could do.
1: Yeah, I could see him doing something with it. I'd be curious to see it. I think think you could incorporate musicality into it quite well, actually. Mm. And also, it would translate into a stage play quite well.
0: I think you're right, yeah.
1: It's really only set over, like, one, two, three-ish sets. You know what I mean?
0: yeah yeah it is yeah
1: so that's why it would i'm looking forward to a chance to see that and see what i think of it it'll probably
0: be a few years away because i think he's just writing it
1: i quite liked it as well it's a good one
0: we have been daniel and brenton this week thanks again for joining us feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts check us out on all the socials and comment on soundcloud and until next week thanks for listening I'm warning you now, just in case. There's a few Charlie Chapman ones in a row. Mm. I say Chapman all the time. It's Chaplin. Yes. Chapman.
1: Not the ice cream.
0: Isn't Chapman ice cream?
1: Chapman's ice cream.
0: Ice ice cream? I can't even say that one right.
1: Brendan's had a stroke. He can't talk anymore. Did he you say
0: okay. Brendan's? No, like I Brendan. Brendan's
1: had a stroke. stroke.
0: Puddins?